Hello, and, again, welcome to the Aperture Science Computer Aided Enrichment Center. We hope your brief detention in the relaxation vault has been a pleasant one. Two True Freaks presents Hope of All Trades, hosted by Hope Mullinax, a podcast by a girl unheard of! If it isn't Skywalker's filthy, obnoxious little pet. Where am I? Well, girl. Very well spotted. It's a girl? Oh, yeah, you're right about that. She can violate my rights if. Hey! You make this, and you die a legend. Can I pee first? I'm really glad that worked. Those would have been terrible last words. Hi everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Hope of All Trades. My name is Hope Molinax, and this is a new show that is being presented by Two True Freaks. I am a friend of Chris and Scott's. You might have heard me on the Harry Potter episode about, uh, about nine months back, probably. And I'm here to try and start a new show with the guys. And they've been very gracious enough to let me do this. So, you might be wondering what Hope of All Trade means. I am what you would probably call a jack-of-all-trades nerd. There are very few fandoms that I know, like, all the intricate details in and out of it. And so, I dabble in a little bit of everything. From anime to comics to Doctor Who to Star Wars to video games. I have my fingers in all the cookie jars, but not enough to, you know, eat all the cookies. That was a pretty good metaphor there, me. And so, that's what it means. So, uh, my show will probably be monthly um, until I graduate in December. Woohoo! And then I'm going to try going bi-monthly, but we'll just see how things go. It probably wouldn't be a right-away transition. So let's get started. Um, I met Chris and Scott last Dragon Con at the Star Wars The Clone Wars panel. And actually in the last, well the last one for me, Star Wars Monthly Monday, I'm the one that very loudly is like, yeah, social themes and Star Wars The Clone Wars. Let's talk about that stuff and like how the clones are slaves and blah blah blah. So you can hear me there. And then, like I said, the Harry Potter episode. And at the time of this recording in an upcoming podcast that Chris and I recorded with my best friend Megan. And you'll probably see that coming up in late August. So, my show will cover pretty much whatever I can find in a month that's going on in the world of geek. And so the normal format will be going any quirky things that I find, either interesting internet sources or articles, moving on to any reviews, whether it be movies, or books, or manga, or comics, um, anything. So I might read a great book, and I might just review it for the heck of that, even if it's quote-unquote normal. Another thing I'm looking at is video games. So if I start a video game, I might talk about my process as I'm going through it. Anime, um, Pokemon, because Pokemon's my guilty pleasure. I've been watching it since... Oh, the first episode's about, what, 12 years ago? 
and I still watch the new episodes every Saturday, so I'll probably talk a lot about Pokemon, because I just love it. And then just your normal television shows, whether it's Ben 10 or anything else on Cartoon Network, to even quote-unquote normal shows like Top Chef or Glee or anything like that. So like I said, pretty much whatever I feel like talking about. So let's get started on a normal episode. So up for today for the quirky things, I found two articles on Yahoo that piqued my interest. The first one is talking about how Sylvester Stallone was actually auditioning for the role of Han Solo in the original Star Wars. Now, I just can't fathom anyone else but Harrison Ford playing the part, and nowhere in my brain could I ever put Sylvester Stallone in his place. And he even has a quote uh, in the article that says, Yes, as a matter of fact, I did it. And it didn't meet with much approval, since I stood in front of George Lucas and he didn't look at me once. He goes on to say that he recognized immediately that he was wrong for the role, saying, Well, obviously, I'm not the right type. Stallone doesn't seem to have any regrets, though, adding, It all worked out for the best, since I don't look good in spandex holding a ray gun. Um, I'm sorry, I've seen clips from Rocky, and he doesn't look that great in anything, or any- Oh god, ugh. Sylvester Stallone makes me kinda ill when I think of him or see him, and then he opens his mouth, and even the tiniest, tiniest ounces of sex appeal, if there was any, just goes away, cause I like being able to understand my actors when I watch them on TV or in movies. And Sylvester Stallone just does not cut it for me in any way, shape, or form. So, yes, thank you Sylvester Stallone and George Lucas for not casting him in the role of Han Solo. The second article I found is there's a comic book buff in Alaska selling a rare copy of Batman number one. And I'm looking at it and damn does it look great as Batman and Robin swinging through Gotham, and the city is silhouetted in red, and the rest of everything else is yellow, and it just looks great. And so what happened was this guy bought a drawer, like a dresser in a yard sale, and um, it, the Batman number one comic book was discovered after a local businessman, Ron Jaeger, Jaeger, Fager, I don't know how to say his name, bought an old dresser at, the, at a garage sale in the early 70s then keeping it in storage for a few years. When Jaeger finally brought it out, he noticed one of the drawers didn't slide easily. Three comic books and a few old issues of Fairbanks Daily News Miner was tucked between the drawer and a, a tuck beneath the drawer and a quarter inch piece of plywood. The haul includes a copy of Batman number one, Superman number seventeen, an old issue of Red Rider Western comic. Oh my goodness, this guy is about to make so much money. The Batman comic alone is probably going to fetch more than $40,000. And as of right now, Online Bidders has it up for $35,000. And they were saying it's still in like ridiculously good shape. Like on a scale of 1 to 10, it's still a 5.5. And for everyday comics, that's not good at all. But for vintage comics, that's great. They were saying that the pages are barely even yellow. They're just a little bit. So, Mr. Jaeger's about to make a crap ton of money. And if you want to try buying um, Batman number one, 
you better be willing to shell out a ton of money. So, yes, that is our interesting quirky things for the time. And now we will move on to reviews. So, lately, as of yesterday, I went to Borders and I was browsing the manga section because I'm an avid anime manga reader. And I found something that piqued my interest, and it's called Alice in the Country of Hearts. And I've always been a fan of the Alice in Wonderland thing, you know, the whole going to Wonderland, escaping reality, and all your problems, and having an adventure. Now, I never have read Lewis Carroll's book. I've always wanted to. It's always been on my list of things to do. But, I mean, everyone knows Alice in Wonderland. Hell, the movie with Johnny Depp was out earlier this year, and... You know, it was really good, except for Johnny Depp acting like a creepy pedophile. But, I saw this. It looks good. The art looks decent. I flipped through it before I bought it, because I always look at art. I cannot read a manga if the art is just not good. I don't care how interesting the plot is and how amazing it is. I cannot read it if the art is not good. So, I bought it, and so now I'm going to do a quick review of it and going through And this is Volume 1 of Alice in the Country of Hearts. So the art is by Somi Hoshino, I just butchered that, it's okay, I can't speak Japanese very well, and the story is by Quinn Rose, which piqued me because of the fact that it's only one name. So, it opens up to this beautiful shot of a door, and then it goes to the table of contents, which is like the reverse side of the door, it's very nice, and it opens with a clock. And you hear a voice, and it says, let me warn you about something. Every game has its rules. And those rules are cemented the second you start to play. And you see a man, a mysterious man, and you can't see his eyes. You only see his glasses and, like, the left half of his body. And they're talking to each other, this voice and this man. And it's talking about how she's there, and she's ready, and please help me now. And he goes, there. The connection has to be made. I'll help you this time. And then it starts, and it opens to a huge, beautiful two-page page, two-page uh, two art. And it's actually the cover and the back cover, but it's in black and white, and you can actually see it without the, you know, without the Tokyo Pop label in the middle. Oh yes, and this is by Tokyo Pop, which is one of my favorite manga distributors in America. I think it's actually the number one manga distributor in America, but don't quote me on that one. And it opens this beautiful sky, and you see this girl silhouetted. And she's going, Alice, Alice, and Alice wakes up. And it's her sister, Lorena Little. And they talk, and they're talking about, Oh, you're so nice, Alice, and my... And you shouldn't sleep outside, because it's not very ladylike. And then Alice automatically starts thinking, Man, how I wish I was just like my sister. If I wore frilly shit like my sister, I would do it look so ridiculous. And then you find out that Miss... Lolina, I think I said her name was, I'm too lazy to flip to the page before it, is actually in love with someone, and I'm sure, and it says every guy in the world would fall in love with a girl like her, every guy in the world, and it has a silhouette picture of a guy, you can't see his face, but he has really nice hair, and you see Alice gets a twinge in her heart, <laughs> it's bad. And of course that means that she's madly in love with said guy, and the guy is probably with her sister. And so they're ta she's talking to her sister, and she's reading a psychology book, but it's sort of a psychology book. It's a story that's both a fairy tale and a novel. The story is about a girl who follows a rabbit and gets lost in Wonderland. 
Once there, is it good? Alice interrupts. Like a mean, interrupting bitch. How does it end? Just tell me the ending. And she goes, oh, Alice, you're such a child. And the end that the queen of the land tries to put the girl on trial. The girl get, tries to escape, but then she wakes up. Oh, says Alice, it's one of those dream endings. And yes, and she's like, oh, I don't like those kind of stories because it's not a good book. And that's not how you play games. And at the mention of games and her sister wanting to play cards, Alice has to play cards. She thinks to herself, I have to, I have to play cards. And so her sister decides to go get the cards. And so she runs back inside, and Alice, oh no, suddenly feels so sleepy again. So she falls asleep, and when she wake, opens her eyes again, there is a white rabbit in a rather adorable coat with a big watch on it. And she go, and as you flip to the next page, the rabbit runs up to her and goes, What are you doing? You're supposed to chase the white rabbit now. And Alice is like, WTF, mate? Why is this rabbit talking to me? And she thinks she's still sleeping until the rabbit, who has turned into a very handsome white-haired man, picks her up and go. And she starts flipping the shit out. And he goes, please don't scream in my ear. And he starts sprinting off with her in his arms. And they jump down, what else? A giant chasm that has opened up in her yard. And they fall, and they fall, and they fall, and fall. And the rabbit, as they're falling, says... It's even more fun with you, so this is the last thing I want to. And he talks in rhyme, which at times is really cute, but sometimes annoying. And, yeah, so she thinks she's gonna die, and she opens her eyes, and she's, like, on this, and like, what looks like a castle walkway. And she goes, this is Wonderland? And he goes, right, exactly, and he's a really cute guy. He goes, Alice, my dear, welcome to Wonderland, and opens up to this beautiful spread of four different locations in Wonderland. And the first is this tower, which is really nice and detailed, and it has different numbers on these two towers. One has the number 11, the other one has the number 12. So, and you find out later, it's a clock tower, so that's really cool. And you have an amusement park, a maze with a big building on top of a ridge, and finally something that looks like a bunch of apartments in Tokyo without neon. So, yes, and she goes, I never heard of it! And he goes, and she's like, hey, dude, how do you know my name? And he goes, of course I know your name. I'm in love with you, you see. And her very first reaction is, is he a stalker then? A kidnapper who wears rabbit ears? He's definitely some kind of deviant. Oh, Alice. And he whips out this potion. He's like, dude, you in, you need to take this potion. She's like, no way. I'm not taking anything from you, buddy. Of course, I'm paraphrasing, because where'd be the fun if I read everything to you? And, <laughs> and she thinks he's some sort of pedophile or rapist or stalker and so yeah and, and he go and as they're talking he asks does that mean you want to know my name splendid and he introduces himself as being peter white who is of course the white rabbit and he keeps telling her repeatedly how off, how much he is madly in love with her which is just putting off poor alice moore and then, at the very end, he opens the potion and goes, The game wouldn't be fun if, if things were that easy. She goes, Did you just say a game? And then she hears the voice from page one that says, Let me warn you about something. Every game has its rules. And those rules are cemented the second you start to play. And you see Mr. Peter White take the water, or take the liquid, and pour it in his mouth. And then he kisses her and pretty much forces her to drink it. You know, gross backwashy potion and how disgusting is that he forces her to drink it and (laughs) 
And then he says, if you drink it all, Alice, I'll let you go. And now you're finished, because I made it, so. Ha, 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 Peter White is great. And he pretty much says, because of the fact that she drank that potion, she can't go home, and it's a medicine of the heart, and blah, blah, blah. Now she has to play the game, and he runs off. And her first thing was, stupid pervert, that wasn't a kiss. I won't acknowledge it. And what the crap did he make me grin? drink. I'm not gonna feel better until I slug that guy. Yeah! So she runs after him, trying to find him, and she gets really, really lost in the woods, and she comes out in this snazzy-looking gate. She's looking around, and these people, these, like, voice behind her goes, Hey, lady, you got business here? She turns around, and there are two swords and two twins wielding said swords, and they introduce themselves and this is the gatekeeper. And they don't even give poor Alice a chance to talk, really. They pretty much are like, wow, we're just gonna kill you now. And she's like, WTF? Oh no. And then you hear a voice come up. And it's another rabbit guy. And he looks kind of like a pirate. So think pretty man pirate with rabbit ears. And he has the greatest belt ever, which is a skull and crossbones. But instead of a skull, it's a rabbit's head. And it's really cute. Because it's not like skull. It's like cute Japanese bunny face. And which takes away a lot of his badassery. And so he walks up, and <laughs> they call him Chicken Blonde Bunny, which I just don't get the chicken part, but they call him that constantly throughout the book, and so it makes me laugh every time. And so as they're talking with the guards, and he's trying to figure out the story, and he just loses his patience. So he whips out a gun, points it at Alice. She thinks she's going to die when a, a, a voice comes out of nowhere. And he wraps his arms around Alice and goes, Easy, boys. Didn't I tell you to get my permission before you kill on my land? And Alice turns around. And it's this beautiful man who has a top hat, who is obviously the Mad Hatter. And he's just absolutely gorgeous. But automatically, Alice just shoves him away and doesn't even want to look at him and runs. And this man is Blood Dupree. And he is the owner of this land. Or at least the land with the snazzy gate. And as you're running, Alice, find, you find out that Mr. Blood Dupree, who is the owner of the, the land of Hatter, is looks just like her love back home. And so she runs back to the place where she originally came with the white rabbit. And when she gets there, there's a man there. And he is all mean and angry. He's like, what are you doing? This is my land. Go away. And she's like, I wish I could leave. Oh, no. But... But that Peter pedophile guy made me drink medicine. He goes, medicine? Yes, and she shows him the glass vial and goes, oh then, well, curse it all. I suppose you're an outsider. Outsider? The Peter you mentioned earlier, do you mean Peter White? White? That's right. He smuggled you in without my permission. That blasted rabbit. I have no choice. I'll explain things. My room awaits. And he goes to a nice shower. You see a bunch of claws in the lawn. You find out his name is Julius Monterey, and he's the owner of the clock tower. See, I told you it was a clock tower. Really cool-looking clock tower. And uh, he starts explaining things to her, like, you're an outsider of the country, blah, 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 you're a force, now you have to walk around, blah, 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 and do all this shit. And he and she informs her that earlier she was in the Hatter's territory, and Elliot March, was the, who was the blonde chicken bunny, mice pirate bunny guy, is named Elliot March, and he's pretty much the March Hare. And the bloody twins are dangerous people who are quick to wield their weapons. And she's surprised, he's surprised that she's still alive. And they were getting violent and blood debris, who you find out, Mr. Mad Hatter is a mafia boss. 
and she flips out. He's a crime syndicate family known as the Hatters. Blood Dupree is currently in charge. And <laughs> he starts explaining the other ter ter territories in Wonderland, which is Heart Castle is ruled by the Queen of Hearts. The amusement park is managed by a man named Goland, and here you are, the center of the three territories. You're in what is known as the Clock Tower Plaza. This is the only neutral area. The other three territories are at war with each other. So, oh my goodness, there's a war going on between these three territories. And something's gonna tip the battle soon, and oh my god, I can almost promise you it's going to be Alice, but it's not said in this book. So, you cannot go home. She can't go home until the vial is full again. Because what happens is she drank all the liquid and she looks at it, and there's a little bit at the bottom that wasn't there before. And the more interaction she has with Wonderland and the more people she meets, it's gonna fill up. And eventually, then is when she can go home. So, she's not too happy about that. So, end of chapter one is uh, ends with the White Hatter looking kind of like a creeper. Creeper, no creeping. And then he says, Just you wait, Alice of mine. You'll be here till the end of time. Bum, bum, bum. Moving to chapter two. So Alice wakes up, and she wants to go find Peter White again and ask him why she drug him here. So she, and Julius is like, Dude, just be careful. It's Wonderland. It's dangerous. Yeah. So she leaves, and she's running through the woods, and she thinks she's getting lost. And something rustles in the bushes, and bam! What pops out? A beautiful man! Who? from the front cover, or the back cover, has brown hair, and I was assuming it was red, and he introduces himself as being Ace, one of the Knight of Hearts. So Mr. Ace is like, oh, you know, Julius, I was just going to go see him at the Clock Tower. He's a friend of mine. But since you're lost, I'm going to lead you to the Palace of Hearts, because that's where Peter White is, because he is the advisor for the Queen. And it turns out that Mr. Ace has a terrible sense of direction. And she leads him right back to the Hatters. By accident, first and foremost, may I say. It was not on purpose. And who pops out? Elias March, the March Hare. And he's all pissed because he's like, dude, you're on our territory. And he's like, dude, it was an accident. And apparently this isn't the first time it has happened. He's not very happy about this. And they start arguing to a point where the March Hare actually fires on him. And apparently Ace is so good at life that he dodges the bullet without trying. And he fires a few more times at him, and he dodges it every time. So he tells Alice to go hide behind a tree while they fight. And then something that I thought was really cool is that Mr. Elliot, uh, not Elliot March, but, the, the, but, um, I'm sorry, I'm meaning turn around. Ace draws his sword, and they start fighting. But the cool thing is, and they never mentioned it, but it's in the drawings, and it made me really, it made me think of Wonderland. And this was a very Wonderland thing that I appreciate is Elliot holds his blade and fights with the hilt as his weapon. And he even holds the hilt up to the March Hare's neck, like he, like as if it was a blade. And it's just really cool. It kind of adds an extra layer to Wonderland and how things are slightly off and slightly different. So they fight more, and who pops out of nowhere? Of course, it is Blood Dupree. And they can't, he dismisses the fight and is like, dude, my apologies give the March Hare for being dumb. He's like, dude, it's okay, I'm not mad. Just let us go. And he sends him off in the right direction with Elliot March leading. Apparently, Elliot is so okay with the fight in Alice that he doesn't mind leading them to the right place. 
And but, but before he goes, Mr. Blood Dupree takes a few minutes to flirt with Alice, even to the point where he, she, he takes some of her hair and kisses it. Which I never understood in anime, but hair is disgusting to me. And then you find out more about uh, the guy that Alice liked and ended up loving someone else and it made her sad and blah 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 in a creepy sort of way. And so he lets him go. It says, and I'm looking. Peter White, they're trying to find Peter White. Yay! And they go to the castle. Something that you need to start noticing now is any servants in the story have no faces. They have a mouth and eyebrows and a. And and what looks like it might be a nose, but you can't really tell. No eyes, but they're there. So he takes him to the white room. She, uh, Ace takes him to the queen. And there is Peter Hare, and he jumps down off the throne. He runs and hugs her to the ground, and acts more like a creeper that he is. Everyone in this land are creepers. And the queen calls him off and says, You over there, girl child, are you an outsider? And she goes, oh, who are you? She says, we are the Queen of Hearts, also known, uh, we are also called Vivaldi. And that's the end of chapter two. Chapter three starts off with them having tea, and night turns the day crazy fast, and they are just talking among each other. And Ace decides to go out to Julius, and so he leaves, leaving Alice alone with the Queen and with Peter. And... In Vivaldi, the queen goes as far as saying, We might be able to love you as well, Alice. And Alice is starting to freak out because every person she's met has hit on her in some way or shape or form. And Mr. Peter White is not happy with that in any way, shape, or form. And he starts getting to a point where he starts almost yelling at the queen and she just blows him off and tells him pretty much to shut the fuck up. And so Alice wants to go back to Julius, but it's getting dark. So Peter and the Queen both insist that she stays the night because Alice is getting sleepy. So she does. So Peter shows her to her room, acting like a creeper the entire way, helping her walk and trying to touch her and just being a really, really handsome, nice rapist, I guess, or trying to get into her, her knickers. And so she goes to sleep. And Alice, she's going to sleep. She's a little confused because the entire time, Alice thinks she's in a dream. And how can I possibly be dreaming inside a dream or sleep inside a dream? So she goes to sleep. And then she starts to dream. And she's in this cloudy world with lots of sand. And she can't believe that she's really dreaming inside a dream. And a voice says, you're right about that. And then, what else? A handsome man appears and he's wearing an eye patch. And he introduces himself as Nightmare. I'm a dream demon, the embodiment of bad dreams. A dream demon, says Alice. I guess Weirdo Parade continues. This, is, this dream is really packed with boys, which I thought was the best line so far of the entire book. And he, sa- and he blows it off. And he's like, think whatever you like. And he starts explaining more about Wonderland. And... Um, and says that Peter White acted on his own to actually go and get her. It wasn't an accident that she came to this world. And she even he even says, "This is a world that you wish for, a world where, a world where you're wished for. That's you are wished for. Everyone in the world is going to fall in love with you, Alice." And she flashes back to everyone who has proclaimed their love for her, and says, "And that includes me. I love you too." And she even fights around and says. 
Then I'm a lonely girl who just wants everyone to love me, and I'm in a dream where my deepest wishes come true. On what planet would everyone trip over themselves for me? I guess my subconscious is stupid as this world. And he goes, Alice, you didn't create this world. It was here from the start. So saying that Wonderland maybe has been always waiting for Alice. Who knows? And he even goes on to say, it's not that everyone will follow for you immediately, but let them get to know you and they'll learn. They'll love only you. And she blows it off more because she thinks she's, you know, the Bella Swan complex. She thinks she's terrible and gross and no one's going to like her and whatever. And then it has one of my favorite passages between her and Nightmare in the entire book. She goes, are you some kind of devil? And he laughs and goes, I'm Nightmare. I think that's scarier than the devil. Devils make people descend into hell, right? But I make people descend into dreams. And Alice goes, but people wake up from dreams. Dreams are not as scary as hell. And he laughs and goes, what do you think lies beyond a dream? There's nothing beyond a dream. They just end. And he goes, exactly, when you wake up from a dream, nothing is left but reality. And dreams are terrifying because there's an end. One day, Alice, you will understand. And I always like that, because you're like having a pleasant dream, and you walk up and you're like, fuck, I gotta go to work. I always hated that. And so Alice wakes up, she wants to leave, Peter freaks out, and she's trying to make her stay, because he doesn't want her to leave, because he loves her so much. And two guards walk up, and the two guards inform Peter that the queen wants him to come wants him to come see her and then peter pulls out his watch his pocket watch and it turns into a gun and he shoots one of the guards point blank in the face and kills him and alice flips out and he even commands the other messenger to say that message never reached me understand that message never reached me because the messenger went missing and alice tries to get him to stop because he's still pointing the, the gun at the other guard so finally she throws herself in front of him and starts berating him for for shooting him and killing the man like point blank and both the guard and peter are both just so confused at why she's showing him a little bit of humanity and fine and even the guard is keeps saying oh there's plenty of me to be replaced it's like the clones in star wars and peter says those men don't even have names they're nothing but disposable cards it's not any different from the ones with duty, and this is the first time you hear it, and it's even quoted, which means it's important. The ones with duties. We have our responsibilities, but can still be replaced if we die. And so, to the inhabitants of this world, death isn't particularly important. But Alice, you're different. There's no replacement for you, so stay safe and let me through. And she demands that she will only step away if she he promises not to shoot the guard. So his gun turns back into a pocket watch, and he decides to go see the queen. And the guard thanks her and says, and wishes he could talk with her more, but he has to dispose of the body before the afterimages appear. And she questions what the hell an afterimage is, and he must leave so fast. And as she's walking through the woods, heading back towards Julie's clock tower, she runs into the twins again, the bloody twins. And they're with a cat boy, a very handsome cat boy, who I thought was a Cheshire cat, but I don't think he is, because his name is Boris. And he even goes as far as calling the twins D and Dumb, so of course they are Tweedle D and Tweedle Dumb. And they start talking about how he belongs to the amusement park, and the old man's there, but 
and they're all friends even though they're on different warring territories because their contracts say they can't be friends with other people. So they're all friends and they still hang out and he inform the cat boy informs Alice that the leader of the music park is Mary Goland and she responds, Mary go round and he laughs because that's his real name. Mary go round and the reason that he is at war with the Hatters because the Hatter the Hatter uh, told everyone in the world that his real name was Mary and it pissed him off so much they started a war. What the hell ever? And so, they walk off, and, and Alice swears that she sees some shadows out of the corner of her eye, but she doesn't really quite see it. And so, she's still trying to figure out her way home, and she's looking at the vial, and this is the beginning of chapter 4. And she's looking at the vial, and the liquid has risen again, which means she's met more people, so she's probably going to be getting home fairly soon. But then she starts missing thinking of Mr. Blood Dupree and how, after all, I only want one person in particular to love me. I don't want the entire world to love me. And she comments once again how Blood looks exactly like him. And you find out that the man is actually her ex-boyfriend, and I'm assuming that her ex-boyfriend left her for her sister. Oh, the drama. And so she talks about how she, she wakes up soon, she needs to get back to the clock tower, and she's walking by herself again. And she sees shadows off in the distance and she runs towards them. And there is a corpse laying in the middle of this open area behind some bushes. And he's bleeding to death. And these shadows come out of no nowhere and start devouring the corpses. And all that is left is a watch. And they take up the watch and they run off with it. And she is confused. So she gets back to the clock tower and Julius is talking to himself and... He's like, no, I'm here by myself, whatever. And he denies it. And he she asks him about the shadows, wondering what they are. And he blows her off quite harshly. And suddenly there's someone appears, and it's this man in a bloody cloak, and he's wearing a mask, and he kind of looks like Tuxedo Mask from Sailor Moon. And it's Ace, the happy-go-lucky hearts guard. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm here. And he brings Julius a watch. And... Julia uh, says that it's not to repair, Ace breaks him for him to repair. And so Julius walks off, and Ace comments, Whoa, I guess Julius really wants you to like him. And he was just talking to himself, because not to change the subject, but he knows about those black shadows, and he tells him that those are called after images. So we finally figure out what the after images are. And he says, I have no I have to clean this up before after images appear. The soldier at the castle mentioned something like that. And it says, after images don't have a physical quality, so they're ghosts. No, they're not ghosts. They're just things that exist as a matter of fact here. And um, she even asks, like, why did they take the clock? And he doesn't answer because he wants to keep all the secrets or Julius will be get upset at him, which means they're probably sleeping together. Or at least in my brain they are. And they mention the ones with duties, blah, blah, blah. Everyone has a f who has a face is ones with duties, and everyone else who doesn't have a face are not. And they're just servants. And so she asks, he, he goes as far as saying that he doesn't want to be a one with duty, and she says, well, why don't you just quit? And he says that he's not allowed to, that's the way of the world, and he leaves, leaving Alice, in, Alice to go to sleep. And when she sleeps, she thinks of Nightmare again, and Nightmare appears, and he goes, and he starts talking more about the after images, and he says, 
the corpses of the inhabitants of this world can't keep their form. Only clocks are left behind, and the afterimages clean them up. And um, she, was, she talks about how the whole thing was so inhuman. The flow of events where people aren't people, it makes me feel bad because it's still her dream and still her subconscious. And he goes, well, that can't be helped. It follows one of the rules. Divine providence can't be left undone. And she, all she wants to do is to understand because she just wants humans to be treated like humans. You know, it's a simple request. She mentions how she just wants to be close to one person, but she's here, and so it doesn't matter, and she wants to leave, and she gets on the nightmare, and she grabs him and starts shaking him, and he throws blood up on her, and she starts flipping out that he just threw up blood on her, and you find out that he's actually very sick. She had never heard of such a thing, and he doesn't want to talk about it because he's scared of hospitals and starts reacting like a child, and he's, he hates shots. And, he's, and he even goes as far as says, um, I, I've never gone, never will, and you can't make me! And she berates him for it. And you flip the page, and you see Alice sleeping, and Julius is staring at her like a creeper. Next day, Boris, the cat, and the two twins show up, and they want to go play with her. And it's the start of chapter five, but they go to the amusement park. So they decide to go to the amusement park. And it's like, yay, and it's bright and shiny, and it's not quite what Alice thought, because they're in the middle of a war, so she thought it'd be, like, bombed out. And so the servants there have antennas, and they recognize her as being an outsider, and they take her to Mr. Golan, who's a really snazzy-looking fellow with a violin. And he's so excited to see her, and he has these great horse suspenders that make me laugh. Because they're really cute and really gaudy, and she wants to laugh the horse suspenders, but she has heard that he's sensitive and doesn't want to make him mad. And he's so excited that she's there that he's going to play her a song, and everyone else freaks out. And he starts playing this terrible song that's screechy, and all he goes is, La 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 tra la la la. And, yeah, and it makes her feel so... It sounds so terrible that it makes her feel dizzy. And so she screams out, I can't take it! Cut it out, Mary Goland! And because she said Mary, he gets so mad at Boris for blabbing about it. But since everyone else in the country knows, he blows it off. And then all blood Dupree's fault, and he goes into a almost a Dragon Ball Z rage. And they drag Alice away, so it doesn't get so she doesn't get in the way. And as they're walking off, guess who shows up? Oh, the March Hare and Blood Dupree. And she, he's all like, oh, Alice, what a coincidence, you're here, I'm going to schmooze you more. And it turns out he's doing mafia duties, because several years ago, he bought land from Mr. Goland, and he wants to sell it back. So it's a business deal, but Boris is like, dude, my boss is bad. I wouldn't go talk to him right now, it's bad. And who shows up? Goland! Oh, who didn't see that one coming? And his violin turns into a fucking rifle and he starts shooting at them and he shoots the hat right off the march right off of blood dupree and they start what else a gunfight in the middle of the amusement park and and right after a while finally golan stops and who what happens next Mr. Dupree eggs him on so says, what, Mary? Is that all you got? And he says, Mary, like 12 times, pisses them off, and they start fighting more. Dupree grabs Alice's hand and runs to get out of the fray, and he tires them, and they run so far, they finally get away, and Blood tires himself out, and they start talking, and he hits on her more, 
and he hits on her more, and they talk about tea, and how he wants to throw her a tea party, and he invites her to a tea party, and blah blah blah. And he flirts with her so much that he starts to scare her. Finally, Alice, thank you for making a good choice and telling him to leave you alone. So the twins in the March Hare come up, and they all leave. And they all leave poor Alice alone, and she decides that she's gonna go to the tea party, but mainly just to figure out stuff. And the book ends with the March Hare saying, Hey, Blood, you sure flirt with Alice a lot. Do you actually like her? I mean, for real? And he responds, I'm interested in her. And I like to have an outsider, someone unusual, on my arm. But if I get bored of her, I can just kill her. Now come on, Elliot, my hot tea awakes. And that is the end of book volume one of Alice in the Country of Hearts. This book is a really good read, and I did paraphrase a lot, but there's a lot of detail that goes into making this world. And it's different because the whole three-way war mafia scene going on, it's not your average Alice in Wonderland. And I'm actually very happy because one of my biggest pet peeves it's usually the very, very first guy you meet in an anime. The girl is probably going to fall in love with him. And the first guy you meet is uh, Peter White. And he just freaks her out so much. So I think she's going to go for Blood Dupree after a while. Because it looks like her ex. But you don't know. I think he kind of freaks her out too. So she could pretty much go anyway for him. I highly suggest this book. It's very good. The art is beautiful. I meant to mention that the Queen of Hearts has impeccably drawn curls. Her curls are beautiful. And just the detail in it is great. And like the originality, like his violin turns into a fucking rifle. And I, it's just a great read. I highly suggest it. And that is my review of Alice in the Country of Hearts Volume 1. Moving on, I'm going to do a preview of an anime. A few days ago, the same day I bought Alice in the Country of Hearts, I found an old anime that I used to watch in high school called Vice Kreutz, and I'm going to start watching it and gonna, maybe next show give a brief overview of it, because it's so good. And what it is, and this is something to look forward to, it's these four really, really pretty guys, and they're fi- uh, flower shop owners by day and assassins by night. It sounds ridiculous, but it's actually really good. And it has one of the greatest endings ever, because there's kind of bad assassins in it, like, and one of them can't feel pain, and they're just crazy ridiculous, and it's really fun from what I remember, so I'm very excited to start watching this again, and I'll give you an update on that later! Next thing on my agenda is just to talk about, well, I was going to talk about a Pokemon update for my video game, but I might breeze through that right fast. Because I'm pushing a lot of time, because Alice took way more time than I thought. So, my Pokemon update, I'm in the middle of Pokemon Gold. I'm about to beat the Elite Four. By beat, I mean they're kicking my ass terribly, but I'm also ten levels under them. So I'm in that very time-consuming, tiring stage where I'm trying to pump up my Pokemon. So, my team consists of Meganium, Umbreon, Noctowl, Growlithe, Ampharos, and Gyarados. And I have an Espeon Espeon in the wings, just in case I need a Psychic Pokemon. But my Noctown knows Psychic moves, so I think I'm going to hold off on Espeon, because it just turned into an Espeon, and it's like 30 levels lower, and I'd rather not have to spend time buffing it up. So that's where I am. I'm about 10 levels under them, so I'd love to hear what you think of this team, and if this isn't a good team, please tell me what you think is a better team. I would love to hear from you. And I am always happy to talk Pokemon with everyone. 
that does it for reviews. Um, what I would normally have here, or maybe in the middle of the reviews, is I would like to play kind of geeky music, but I must get permission from everybody to do it. And it'll probably consist mostly of Wizard Rock, because I'm friends with a lot of them, and I have to ask them permission. So just pretend that there's Wizard Rock here, and maybe I'll get some Chameleon Circuit too. If you don't know, Chameleon Circuit is a Doctor Who band by Alex Day, and they're really great, and they have a really, really, really snazzy CD that I really, really, really like a lot. So yes, maybe there. And finally, the last thing on my agenda for today is upcoming dates. At the end of every show, I want to talk about update coming dates, and it's not going to be something like, oh, tomorrow, because the show won't be up that fast. So this is things that are like months away. So there are two events coming up in September that I'm very excited about. The first is Dragon Con! Oh my god, I love Dragon Con so much because it always falls on my birthday. So, Dragon Con. Uh, some people to look out for is Sean Astin, who is in Lord of the Rings, and Rudy, and 51st Dates. And he's just really nice. Like, I was a huge Lord of the Rings fan in high school, so I'm very excited that he's coming. I think he was supposed to come to Dragon Con like five years ago, but he canceled at the last minute. So I hope he doesn't cancel this time round. Someone else is coming is Stan fucking Lee. Stan Lee is coming to Dragon Con. He's gonna be like in Atlanta and within a mile distance of me. I hope he's in the Walk of Fame. I highly doubt he will be. He'll probably be strictly just panels and stuff. But I'm so excited because even though I like DC more than Marvel, Stan Lee is still like one of the founding fathers of comics. He's so just amazing. I love X-Men. I, I adore X-Men so much. And I'm so excited that Stanley is coming. Um, on the flip side, James Monster is going to be there. He is from Buffy and Angel. I think he was in an episode of Torchwood, if I remember correctly. And he's just all around a very nice guy. One time, he um, about two Dragon Cons ago, he performed a very nice favor for me. And my friend was in a wheelchair, and they wouldn't let her come because she didn't have the right kind of wheelchair. Is it too heavy or too big or something? And she had paid for everything. Like, had room and four-day pass and everything paid for. And all the wheelchair rental places around town were sold out because of Dragon Con. She just couldn't go, and she was devastated because she wanted to see James Marsters. So I made a sign that said, hi, with her name on it. And so I said, like, hi, so-and-so. And I asked him about it. I was like, Can I explained to her him the situation and usually, if, and I asked him if I could take a picture with him holding the sign. And usually, you have to ask them, you have to pay you money to take pictures of them, or their bodyguards yell at you, or you get candid shots when they're not looking and they look terrible. But he was so cool about it, like so ridiculously cool about it, and he let me take the picture and he made her day. So, go see James Marsters, he's a really nice guy. Some other people coming is Ray Park from Star Wars, he's been there a few times now. He's also very, very nice, and he also played Eggert in Heroes. So, I'm, that's a, another good look, someone to look for. And, um, oh, where was he? I'm sorry, I'm looking at my Dragon Con book right now. Adrian Pastar, who plays Nathan Petrelli in Heroes. And I enjoyed Heroes for the first two seasons, except for the fact that after a certain point, it just started to suck. Um, the Ghost Hunters will be there. I'm a very huge Ghost Hunters fan on sci-fi. I love the paranormal field. I love everything about ghosts. I would love to join TAPS. It's like my secret backup plan after, you know, everything else I want to do in the world. And so they're there. They're really nice guys. If you go to the Walk of Fame and there's not a lot of people there, like during the parade or something, when it's just dead, 
it's very good to go around, and that's a good time to go talk to them. And I did that one time, and they're very nice guys. They were joking with me and just being overly awesome. So those are a few people to look forward to. I'm very sad to see the very lack of Harry Potter people there, because Harry Potter people have always been there in the years I've gone. Like last year, Tom Felton was there, and I sat down and I talked with him about the HPA, and he was very nice about it. And the Phelps twins were there before, and so was Matthew Lewis. And I was very sad, glancing through the list, there are no Harry Potter people coming. But it could be they're finishing up movie 8. There's a lot of reasons why they wouldn't be there. But there's a little note on the last page of the guest, and it says, And more still for the latest guest announcements! Woohoo! So I'm very excited about that. So maybe they'll slip in there last minute and I'll get to see them. If you want to see some of the song musics there, some of the musics, if you want to see some of the bands there, I highly suggest going to see the Crew Shadows. I saw them my very first Dragon Con seven years ago, and they are just so good. They're one of the few really popular dark wave bands internationally, and they have really awesome music. I highly suggest the um, the CD. Um, oh, I can't remember what it's called, but Sophia is a good CD. The Winterborn CD is good. And they're just all around really just awesome guys. One of their bandmates uh, arrived at DragonCon late and she was behind me in line trying to get passes and we talked for a good hour and they're just really, really nice. So yes. Also, Voltaire. I've never seen Voltaire, but my friends go apeshit for them. So there's obviously something good about it. So maybe I'll go see Voltaire and can catch up. Of course, the dealers and the vendors are always going to be awesome. If you see a group called Anime Remix, those are my boys. They're from my hometown. I've known them for about six years now, so if you see the Anime Remix guys, say hi for me if I don't get a chance to. And they're really nice, and please support them. They're um, an independent business, and you know, you should always support independent businesses because those are people too. That sounded really forced. Anyway, um, and then someone, I'm excited about a lot of the things going on. I go to Dragon Con for the panels. I do not go to Dragon Con for the concerts, for the stars. I love the panels. I love sitting down with a group of people and having intelligent conversations about things I like. And it's just one of the few places and times during the year I can do that. So, I'm very excited about the British Sci-Fi Media track. Because the Brit track is pretty much pretty much done by the Atlanta Gallifreyans. They're a Doctor Who group here in my hometown. They're really awesome people, they're not pretentious assholes, and they're just overall really, really nice. And so, I'm very excited to see them again. I don't get to see them very often, because school and theater eat my soul. So if you go into any of the Brit Track stuff, just know it's pretty much the Atlanta Gallifreyans hosting it. And then the final event I'm going to talk about is something that's really special and it's really good, but you have to get there really early. It's the Dr. Horrible Sing-Along. Think live Rocky Horror Picture Show shows, but with Dr. Horrible. Like, it's really awesome. They give you, like, little goodie bags, so they have, like, squirt guns and, like, little horses for bad horse, and, like, you hold it up and you neigh when the song's on. It's, it's just a really fun experience, and I have clips from it from DragonCon two years ago. I should probably put those on my YouTube, because it was just such a great time. But, get there early. So early. Because of the fact that the line is huge. When I went, I got there three hours early and I was still in the middle of the line. It's just ridiculous how many people go to it, but that's how good it is. It's ridiculously good. 
So, plan accordingly for that, because it's totally worth it. So, that's some things coming up for Dragon Con. It's Labor Day weekend, September 3rd through the 6th, and I hope to see you there. And if you see me there, wish me a happy birthday. Buy me a latte. Whatever. I would love it. The other date that's coming up soon, I think it's the third weekend in September, is Anime Weekend Atlanta. It's the big anime convention in Atlanta. I haven't gone in the last few years because it's right after Dragon Con and I'm usually really poor by then. So, I might not go this year. I would like to go because, um, excuse me. I would like to go because, um, one of my new favorite sh series is an anime called Hitalia, which you might see in a Two True Freaks podcast coming up. Hint, hint. Wink, wink. La, la, la. And, um... I hope, I just want to get some Italia stuff, but it's really fun. Um, the big thing about it is, though, they've lately been focusing on a lot of, um, really popular animes, or they, and they tend not to do the smaller, more little animes, but, so it's constantly populated with Full Metal Alchemist, which I love, don't get me wrong, I love, but I loved it before it was popular, and, like, Naruto, which I hate, and and all this other stuff, so it's usually popular with that, but it's still fun, you can still find stuff, and it's a great place to just buy just, just anime stuff everywhere, and it's pretty cheap, it's like $15-$20 a, a day, which is really good, opposed to Dragon Con, which is like $45 a day, so it's really fun, so I highly suggest if you're in the Atlanta area and you're an anime fan, fan, even if you just go for one day, just go to AWA, it's really fun. If you have any major events or conventions coming up in your town, please let me know, because I would love to talk about them and announce them and give, like, little spiels about them. And as long as it's not within, like, you know, like, five days from now, I can pretty much probably put it on the show, so make sure it's something that's, like, you know, a few months from now. That way you can go ahead and get in, put it on your calendar. And I will also be announcing Wizard Rock dates and concerts and tours coming up. So, yes. I think that's everything on my list. I'm looking through it. I don't think I have anything else. Um, oh, if you would like to find something else that's part of my just more work that I've done, I'm a, a columnist for a Doctor Who website. The website is called Doctor Who for Newbies, and the website is dw4n.com. D as in doctor, w, the number four, n as in newbie.com. And just look up a column of hope. That's my column. There's only two things up because we just got it back on its feet again. But I'm in the process of writing my third column, so there might be a third one up soon. I am also on Twitter at Hope Molinax. H-O-P-E-M-U-L-L-I-N-A-X. You can find me there. Um, I haven't been on Twitter lately because I have a crazy job. But come school again, I will procrastinate there a lot. So I'm also on Twitter. You can send anything, of course, to two truefreaks at gmail.com. I think it's com. If not, then it's org, but I'm pretty sure it's com. Two truefreaks.com. I'm also in the forums. You can hit me up on the forums. I'm there. I think my name is Hope M. I had to change it since we've gone to the new forums, and it's fun. So I would love to hear your feedback. I would love to hear your comments. Um, and I would also love to hear your suggestions about things to talk about. Because I will make you a guarantee, if I do not know a subject, I will research it and talk about it, or I will bullshit it and make it sound like I know what I'm talking about, and then go back and research it and apologize. 
So I would love to hear suggestions. I just don't think I like girly stuff, please. I love D&D. I love board games. I'm not talking about Clue or Life. I'm talking about Arkham Horror or Here I Stand, which is the Protestant Reformation board game. Here I Stand is the best board game of all time, and every person should play it because it's just so amazing. So, or Arkham Horror, I mentioned that. Uh, Panda Divink's another good one. So I would love... Most of the Steve Jackson games I really like playing. So just hit me up. I love talking board games. I love talking comics, manga, video games, anime. Send me suggestions to talk about. Um, I'm going to try and get some co-hosts on next time. And yeah, I think that's it for me. Thank you for listening to the first episode of Hope of All Trades. Um, I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you, Scott and Chris, for giving me this opportunity. I hope it's good. We'll see. And, you know, maybe next episode we'll do something a little bit more manly. Like Star Wars. I love Star Wars. I can't wait for the Clone Wars to come back on TV. It's so close. So, yes. Thank you all, and I hope you all have a wonderful night or day or time of day, wherever it is you are living. Bye, everyone.